All right, y'all. So if you listen to part one of Boundaries with Friends and Family, I know you are on the edge of your seat waiting to hear what Derek's response is to the question after I told this crazy story of how I created a boundary with my mom. (laughs) So I'm not going to prolong the time. I'll just get right into it. Here it is, part two, Boundaries with Friends and Family here on the Rise and Grow podcast with me, your girl, Melinda Rackley, the inspiration engineer. Enjoy. But, but what you did in that instance, Melinda, you said a boundary. And I think even in families, because of family dynamics, and I'm pretty sure what we all were taught is it's mom and dad and you always do what mom and dad say or you always do, excuse me, what the grandparents say. And for that reason, we as the children or the offsprings feel that we can't set boundaries with them. And that's just um, absolutely not true. Again, this book has been so profound because in every facet of our lives, we need those boundaries. And even with our parents, we have to set those boundaries. Um, And I've seen instances where the parents, if you will, are so toxic until it's to the detriment of the child or the offspring, but because that child has not set boundaries and say, I cannot allow this any longer. Now, here's the thing, because, and I think people may get this a little twisted or or convoluted because they think if I set a boundary with my parent, I'm being disrespectful. No, I can set a boundary in a respectful manner and still, you're still my mom, you're still my dad, I'm going to still love you, but this is the boundary that um, that I'm going to set. This is what I will allow and what I won't allow. And just being, again, comfortable enough in that decision, what typically happens to that person in authority, and I can, I you know, this might not be true or anything, but the reason why, why your mom probably handled that so well is because nobody has set that boundary <laughs> for her. Everybody has been like, this is mom's car. I'm going to drive it the way she wants me to drive. I'm going to do what she, mom, if you want me to drive, here's the boundary that we have here. And I think that's what it is, Mr. Sterling. You're right. Because in some of those instances, if we don't set boundaries, that person, and I think you said it maybe two or three weeks ago when we were talking about this, that person then um, changes from an authoritative figure to a controller. Mm-hmm. And we're now controlling, and this really isn't a rela- uh, a healthy relationship now because now instead of your motives being out of love or a genuine heart, it's because you know that you can control me and you know that you have the authority. So I think in those instances, we have to um, set set the boundaries even with our parents. And I think it's just it's just hard because of what we've been taught about respect and honoring our parents, you know? Um, so that's, that's, that's my take on it. We, we still have to set those boundaries, even with those authoritative figures that, you know, they may be angry or a little upset, you know, but I'd rather, you know, what this boundary is 
as opposed to living miserable um, or me being miserable because I, I got to go drive mom around and she's going to do something the whole time or I got to go by my mother's house, but the whole time I'm there, she's going to, she needs my assistance. But when I get there, because you're the authoritative or you're the authority, when I get there, it's like, mom, why am I here? If you're going to give the directions, here's my boundary for me coming over to cut your grass. Um, here's my boundary for coming over to wash your car or whatever it is, there has to be a boundary, even with those um, authoritative figures in our life. And I think um, I think one of mine was um, in regards to uh, spiritual leaders, if you will. Um, I had one, Mr. Sterling, that would call me uh, 11 or 12 at night mm. with a project. And I had to finally set a boundary that says, my bedtime is typically 8.30. So if you call me at 11 or 12 at night, I'm probably not going to answer the phone and it won't get done that night. Because what, what I found happening in that situation, Mr. Sterling, is every time this particular leader called, they expected me to answer my phone on the first ring. Hey, your phone rung three times. Where were you? Oh, I I needed to set a boundary because you know you are the person of authority and because I want to make sure I'm being of service that can sometimes get taken advantage of. So even with those people, we have to set the boundary. That's so true. It's hard to do it with people in church because you'd be like, that's like saying no to Jesus if I say no to the pastor, you know? <laughs> And I think some pastors and, and people in church know that. They know mm -hmm. you don't want to say no because you feel like it's, it's Jesus is connected to it. But even God had boundaries. Jesus has boundaries, you know. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I see your hand. This is very inspiring. I think, uh, you know, um, just to piggyback on what you were saying, Melinda, even, even God has boundaries. It reminds me of something I was taught, you know, that, on, on Sunday, God rested. So that's a boundary. So I, I'll have to remember that one. So yes. if it exists for him, it should exist for me as well. Mm -hmm. um, but um, one thing that was inspired to me is I was asking myself, what is, um, what is holding me back from really saying no and how I'm tying it to what Melinda was sharing as well, and, and yourself as well, uh, Derek, was um, here's what I was thinking. Uh, it's the courage to lose what I never had mm. in that relationship. Mm. And often enough, it comes to the fact that I'm holding on to a relationship I want to have, but never was, will never be, and is not there. And the courage to face that comes when you say no, because then you're faced with the, the result of what it really is, and there's no way around it. Mm -hmm. um, I had a friendship that spanned 45 years, 45 years been there through thick and thin, everything. And at the end, 
I was gobsmacked by understanding that basically I had a relationship with myself. And, and so that is a big morning to have, but it's to, to, again, that, that, um, that courage to, um, to lose what you never had. Mm, I love that. I, um, wow, <laughs> Mr. Sterling, it's like you were in my head today. I was sitting on, on, on the side of my bed today and I said, I'm, I'm in a similar situation and I'm like, I think I'm in this friendship by myself. I, I think as long as I'm giving and I'm pouring into, it's a great friendship. Mm. But the minute I say no, I get silence for weeks at a time. And I thought about something that both of you said and I wrote it down. Um, when I bring my authentic self to the relationship, mm -hmm. I expect that to be what is accepted. But it makes me wonder what um, Mr. Sterling said, what, what, what am I attracting? Because I think there's that part of all of us that want to be in healthy relationships. And um, um, I, I've heard of a concept in friendships, there's the pursuer, and the chaser, um, the pursuer and the distancer. And the more we pursue people, the more they distance themselves. You know, I think of it as the giver and the taker, you know, and the more we give, people will take as long as you are giving. Yeah. And so I realized that in my friendships, there has to be that boundary. And, and I love this now, Melinda, because here it comes. There has to be that harmony where where there's harmony and it's we're we're intertwined in this together and it's not a balance where I'm giving here and I'm giving here and wait where's the the but it should be that harmony um in the relationship but I think those are boundaries that in the beginning I I wonder I want to ask this question if we approached our friendships like we approached intimate relationships or dating, would the boundaries be better? For you see, when we start dating people, we let them know this is this is a boundary, this is a boundary. For the most part, we let them know what the expectations are, what we will tolerate, what we won't tolerate, what we're looking for, what what the expectation of this relationship is. And I wonder if we took that approach with our friendships, would they look different or would the dynamics be different then? You know, I believe, Derek, that the very first and most important boundary, even before we get to dating, has to be with ourselves. You know, and I like for me, I'm learning now that. I can't date anybody. I probably won't be able to date anybody for another year or so because I am just now learning 
how to love myself properly, how to care for myself properly, and how to, you know, reparent the the child in me that still needs nurturing in some areas. You know, like like you said, Mr. Sterling, it's it's the the the, the longing inside for certain relationships and certain things. So I attract the wrong kind of people because there's a there's a saying in network marketing you don't attract the you don't attract the person you want you attract the person you are you know when it comes to salesmen and so that's how what I'm finding when it comes to friends as well they look like the friend that I want but underneath all of that they are just like me and we are hurting in the same spaces And when you're hurting in the same spaces, you can't, what can you do besides continue to dig a little deeper in each other's womb? So for me, you know, I would, I would approach your, your question, Derek, and say that the best way to approach a friendship is to approach it from an angle of just like the Bible says, you know, love your neighbor, just like you love yourself. So first start with yourself (laughs) and create healthy boundaries with yourself, you know, create freedom with yourself. Cause there was times where certain things I wouldn't even talk to myself about. And it was about me, you know, but I don't want to face it. I'm just not going, I'm just going to ignore it. Like it's not there. You know, I know I got an issue, but I'm just going to ignore it. Like it's not there. So now I'm learning to, create a freedom for me to live in, to thrive in, to grow in. And, and once I am done nurturing my garden, then I can invite someone else in as mm-hmm. a friend. And I love what it says here on page 137, learn to love in freedom and responsibility, not guilt. Mm-hmm. And It says, practice purposeful giving to increase your freedom. And when I practice that purposeful giving, it helps me to hone in, you know, what I give to other people and hone in the the desires inside of me that I know they're good, but they're not healthy because a desire can be good and not healthy you know? (laughs) So that's my little take. (laughs) Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm ready. I'm ready. Derek, you got your pencil now? (laughs) You know I do, right? (laughs) Well, I I love this idea. And I was thinking about when is it in my life that I I give with purpose and um, joy and, 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 and I'm in complete contentment. And I'm thinking of the garden. I mean, there's not, you know, it is such a humble presence to be in the garden. The garden does not make you any promises that it will flower, but with lots of devotion, you go to it day in and day out. And maybe there's a little thing here and there may be plants are, are dying or are those sprouting, but um, it gives quite without anything in expecting to, you know, to expect in return. And I'm just thinking, you know, uh, I'll have to do some introspection about, is that the same type of relationships I have around me? Mm -hmm. Do I, like, I'm thinking such a humble lesson to learn from a garden Mm -hmm. that, you know, a, a friendship should be 
kind, generous, and humble, mm -hmm. like a garden. And just claim your devotion, but not, not anything more than just openness, you know? So I'm, I'm really, this, this, this class is really making me think very profoundly. <laughs> um, but as in gardens, right, um, I'm, I'm thinking about, again, coming back with the word of gift. Mm -hmm. So um, you were talking, Melinda, about, you know, uh, loving oneself first. And, and, and that's, that's um, I think, is true. Um, I think the challenge for me, and I'm wondering how you see it, how both of you see it, is um, when you have a calling to which you just can't say no to. It's just part of you, your DNA. So I'll give you an example. So I'm an artist as well, and I will wake up at, you know, midnight because I am just being called to create. And I will create till the wee hours of the morning, go to work, up into, I could stay awake for a long time, just painting. But these are not boundaries, of course. I'm not practicing boundaries. I'm listening, I'm answering to the call. Mm -hmm. And I'm forgetting that I have a body, that I'm hungry, that I could, you know. So my partner often says, have you eaten? Have you eaten? So how does one manage boundaries against the calling? Mm. Against the calling where it's like, this, this is my DNA responding. This is why I was born. Mm -hmm. So any thoughts about that? You know, that's such a good question, Mrs. Sterling. And it's, <laughs> this is something that I was literally just wrestling with myself because I love music. I love music. It's a gift. I, I love music, but I love writing. I can write just for days and days and days and days. And you know, I, I found myself, I would go to sleep. You guys know, I've, I've talked about this endless times. Sometimes I'll go to sleep at 3 a.m. Sometimes I'll go to sleep at 4 a.m. And I'm up at 5.30 a.m. now every day. And so for me, it, it goes back to two things, harmony and grace, right? So when there's a, I believe when there's a calling, it won't throw your life out of harmony when you're practicing it. And God will grace you to be able to get it done, to, to flow through you without anything being dropped or neglected, you know? So for me, at the wee hours of the morning, I'm able to sing all my little songs that I write that nobody's ever going to hear. You know, I'm able to write all these little devotionals and books and edit stuff and, and look through stuff. And when I go to sleep and wake up, I don't feel exhausted, you know, and the times that I do feel exhausted is when I'm taking on a project that I haven't been assigned or graced. And I feel like, oh, they asked me, I don't want to say no, you know, and so it's, it's, it's that it's honoring, being able to honor the calling, you know, being able to honor your gift. And when I honor my gift, I find that it never exhausts me. But if I'm not honoring it, then I will get to the place of pure exhaustion, to the place of having to get iron infusions and, you know, feeling like I can't do this anymore, feeling like I'm going to have a, a breakdown in my mind because I didn't honor. I didn't honor the gift. I didn't honor what I was given. 
you know, and for me, that's been the guide. Like I took on a project that I should not have taken on, but after I took it on, I said, God, I I have to deliver this. So give me the grace, give me the grace to do it. And now I'm noticing that I'm able to do it in my own time. The person who I agreed to do it for, they have just shifted completely. And now they're the most loving and kind and gracious person in the world. Whereas they was getting on my very last nerves two weeks ago, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's the, you know, it's those things, honoring it, harmony, and just grace for me. That's what it is. And and I just, I have to ditto that. I, I don't think I can add any more to it. Um, and, and I think all of us have our passion. So mine is when I have the opportunity for public speaking. And I, I'm like you, Mr. Sterling, I will get up in the wee hours of the morning and I will go and I will, my presentation and I'm going over it. I will have my notes, my slide notes and everything, but I've committed it to heart and, and I'll have to be up that morning to present at seven or eight and I'm not exhausted. But as Melinda said, um, I think God gives us grace to honor and, and honoring the gifts that he's given us. And it's when we're not operating in that grace that it becomes, um, um, if you will, you get tired and, and, and we neglect ourselves. And, um, and, and there have been those moments where I think when um, I'm not operating in grace, there needs to be a boundary again, and that boundary to say, I can't at this time. I think I think that's the biggest, for me, the past few weeks in every one of our topics, that's been the biggest boundary, just saying no, because I'm not operating in God's grace at this moment. And 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 I'm I'm just doing it as Melinda said, because oh, um, they they really need me to do it, you know, or I'm trying to be compliant and there's there's no boundary there. And and then it it is not um the joy of the gift that I have, if you will, to to do it at that moment. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm ready. Yes. So there's another tough question, I guess, uh, or perspective. So, um, you know, I, I had the, um, the humble privilege of accompanying both my parents in, in, in their dying moments and, and through cancer. And um, it required, I have to say, I think um, in some subtle way, um, uh, you know, in some subtle way, life breaks you, breaks you open, right? It breaks your heart open. Um, uh, through being the witness to suffering for which you have no, no cure for except your own presence. Um, and I remember in the accompaniment in palliative care, um, you know, I had made the promise to both my parents that I was going to be there, awake and present to their passing. Um, but that came to a very, very high cost. Um, so lost a lot of my health and well-being through it. In retrospect, I'm looking back at it and I'm thinking, was that the path? Was that the path to breaking open, 
to compassion, which was the disintegration of the boundaries of needing sleep, um, you know, and, 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 you know, for me, it was all a question of like, I was going to be there. It was important. These are people I loved, but it came to the cost of not taking care of myself, not being there and necessarily not a lot of people being there for me as well in that because they knew there was a cost involved. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm trying to figure out in, in this scenario, we're talking about family, we're talking about sacrifice, we're talking about uh, loyalty, but also calling. Um, and when God calls you and says, come, come my dear, so I break your heart open into song, um, does that not involve also breaking the barriers that you had for yourself as a human being? Mm -hmm. The limiting, um, maybe barriers or, I don't know, boundaries, I don't know. Um, and maybe, maybe I didn't listen to boundaries, but I'm, I'm wondering in these cases of profound spiritual um, uh, pilgrimage, how does bound, how do you see boundaries fit into that? You know, for, as you were talking, I couldn't help but think about the time that I was at, uh, right after I had my daughter, um, when I had the stroke. And so Mr. Sterling, when I had my daughter, she's eight now, but during the delivery, I had a C-section delivery. And during that delivery, I had two massive strokes. And my mother was in the room with me while they were doing the C-section and she had the other band on. So she had to stay at the hospital with my daughter, but they rushed me from the local hospital here to one that was about an hour away. And the only person who could go with me was my brother Dwight, who's a pastor. And he stayed with me. I was in ICU for, I believe about two and a half weeks. And so he stayed with me. He never left. Every time I woke up, he was right there. When I woke up, he was there. When I went to sleep, he was there. I mean, he cleaned up throw up, every kind of body fluid you can think of. He witnessed, cleaned up, you know, he was there. He canceled all of his engagements for, for that time. It was, it was the ultimate sacrifice, you know, especially, you know, for me to be a woman and for him to be, have to be there so intimate after I had just had such a significant uh, life change. And it taught me a lot about selfless sacrifice and the, the right moment to remove a boundary. You know, in, in moments like that, 100% remove that boundary. Everything you've got, you give it to that one that you love because you know that it's, it's seasonal. It's just a season. I wasn't going to be in the hospital forever. It wasn't going to be that way forever. It was a season of suffering that I endured. And in that season of suffering is when I myself was able to break through a lot of the things that I had in my mind, a lot of the biases, a lot of the, because I was only 23 at the time. And I was fresh. I, I had only been out of college for one year exactly. I had my daughter on the same day I graduated from college one year earlier. So I was still fairly young and I had all these ideas and dreams and visions in my mind. 
but having that stroke and seeing there are times in our life where we have to really, we need to see what, what, what true sacrifice is in a healthy way. We need to see what it, what it feels like to receive unconditional love from someone. I can never give my brother back that time he gave me, you know, three, four weeks of his life. I can never give him back that time, you know, and I was in a, a cold windowless ICU room and he had to sleep in a chair. It was the most uncomfortable looking chair. He was in that chair every time I opened my eyes and every time I closed my eyes. He knew every nurse, every doctor, every procedure. And it was a difficult time in my life, but it made it better to know that my brother removed all of his boundaries to share it with me, you know, to, to be there for me. And so, you know, to, to kind of go back to what you were saying, Mr. Sterling, I think there's only a few beautiful moments in life that we will ever be able to share with another human being. And we have to fully lay down who we are and walk through that. And I'm, I'm literally in the process of writing a new devotional. that's going to come out the end of this year. And it's called God of the good and the hard, because sometimes we know that he's God. We know he's God when things are good. You know, when I was graduating college, I knew he was God without a doubt. But when it was hard and I couldn't walk and I was a, a young woman that couldn't wear high heels and I was wondering how I was going to live my life. I didn't know he was God. I didn't believe he was God. But that situation helped me to remove and create new boundaries you know, and I know that there's going to come a time in my life where I'm going to have to do what my brother did for me. You know, I don't know who, who it's going to be for, you know, but there will come a time. And when that time comes, I pray that I'm able to be as graceful and as willing to remove the boundaries and biases and, and everything that I have inside of me to freely give. You know, so that was such a long story, but I hope you got the point. <laughs> oh, Derek, I, I see you bubbling. You have to unmute yourself. <laughs> I, I was just thinking, um, it made me think about last week when Mr. Sterling asked, does there come a time when our boundaries aren't as rigid and strict? And I think these are those instances in life where boundaries can be more flexible. Um, and I, I love the way you put it, Melinda, seasonal. Um, there, are, there are seasonal times where this, this may be a boundary that has to change. And here, here, here it is. These are those times where we make the sacrifice and we don't realize that it is a sacrifice, mm -hmm. you know, to cancel what he had to cancel for three weeks to be there with his sister, he had to first change a boundary yeah. um, and then he had to make a sacrifice. And I think when we, when we think about sacrificing truly, that's, that's what it is, you know, um, what is it? Um, there, there's a scripture that says, greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for a friend. That is such a sacrifice. And for me, that doesn't mean they literally die for me. But what that means is every engagement he had, he put on hold. Every 
every that was laying down his life, his livelihood, his well-being and all of that. He had to lay that down for a season and say, I'm going to make this boundary flexible to be there for my sister. And I think in those hard times, that's that's truly where we understand the boundaries of a family. And, and that's one of those boundaries that says, you know, um, what is it? Uh, you said the God, God of good and the hard. Yep. That's one of those good boundaries and hard boundaries that says, you know, and, and, and when we, when we really think about those instances, um, you know, we, we've talked about friendships um, in this episode and we've talked about ourselves. you know, in those instances, I would think who else would I want or need there with me at whatever that time was or is besides my, you know, my family. I think I would need family. And that's where that boundary comes that says, as family, I'm going to be there or I need to be there. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Because it's like, it's sometimes you need your family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. taken me a long time to realize that there are some times where you need your family. There are some times where you need your friends, you know, and those instances where you absolutely 100% need your family may be few and far in between, but when you need them, <laughs> you going to need them and you want to be able to rely on them. Um, so as we are wrapping up, I thank y'all for, for joining in today. I, this was such a beautiful conversation. Yes. I mean, it was so beautiful and, and it's, it's, it's empowering, you know, to be able to have these conversations and know that it is possible. It may be difficult. It may take daily work and efforts, but it is possible to create a life that you enjoy with friends and family that you love and they love and care for you the same way. So I thank you guys so much for joining and I'll Mm -hmm. open the floor, um, you know, for any last comments uh, from either one of you from today. Um, I just want to thank both of you. I think uh, every time I, I speak with you, it's just a, a wonderful, wonderful gift of your presence and your wisdom. And I find that every time I hear your voices, it's um, it's it's celestial, you know, and just a direct connection to what's uh, profoundly sacred. So thank you so very much for being there. Thank you. (laughs) I'm just enjoying this walk through boundaries. And and as Mr. Sterling said, um, with you two, it it is just like, it's thought provoking. It makes me leave the conversation thinking about boundaries and how I look at them and you know what they really mean to me so i'm just this this book is phenomenal this boot camp is phenomenal you two are phenomenal so i am just enjoying this season right now so i i'm excited to be a part of so thank you again um, melinda for opening this platform because it has been such a joy thank you so y'all there we have it part two of boundaries in friendship and I tell you it's no one size fits all for boundaries with friendships there will be times where you have to 
create a new boundary. There'll be times where you may even have to remove a boundary and kind of redefine what it may mean in that space with your family member or your friend. But the most important part is that you keep going keep growing and keep rising and working to create and maintain healthy boundaries in every area of your life. Thank you again, my friends, for tuning in to the Rise and Grow podcast with me, your girl, Melinda Rackley, the inspiration engineer. I'll see you soon, my friend. Bye. The Rise and Grow podcast is sponsored by Rack House Publishing and the Rise Life Group. For more information on Rack House Publishing or the Rise Life Group, please visit www.rackhousepublishing.com. That's www.rackhousepublishing.com.